Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found online at grace417.com. So this week, this is week five of our series, Discovering God's Will. The way this series came about is we were doing a series in the book of Judges, and there's a line that continually shows up in the book of Judges that says, Basically, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. In fact, the book even ends with that phrase, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And as I was reading that, as we were processing through this, it just, you know, the phrase, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Well, it hit me like a ton of bricks that, that so often we go through life like that, just trying to do the best we can, just trying to figure out life on our own, and just the importance, uh, the necessity of us truly discovering what God's will is for our life. And so we've spent, this is week five, we've spent the last five weeks um, just talking in real broad, broad um, strokes, a real broad foundational aspects of how do we hear God? How do we put ourselves in a position to hear God? How do we hear Him so that we can know what His will is, so that we can follow Him, so we can be right in the center of that? Uh, it's, uh, the last few weeks have been, uh, like I'd say, more foundational uh, today's going to be very, very practical, just some very practical questions that you can ask yourself as you process what God's will is um, in your life. I want to start uh, with a verse of First uh, John chapter 2, 17. It says, "...in the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever." There's so much temporary in our world, isn't there? There's so much of what is around, uh, so many uh, things that pull for our affection, for our attention, for our devotion, for our finances. It's so temporal. It's so, it's going to pass away. It's not going to last. When our, (coughs) whoa, that was bad. (coughs) Excuse me. When our, when our heart, when our life is directed towards those things that are eternal, that are um, that have eternal significance, eternal value, then, then the, the, that lives on. It, it's like the verse that talks about those things in our lives that are wood, hay, or stubble. Uh, those things burn up. They will disappear. They'll be gone. But the eternal things, the things of God, are going to last forever. And so the more we give our lives, give our attention, give our devotion, give our resources, give our energy to these things that are eternal, so, so our lives will reflect that. Now, Excuse me, I need to, I got a, a throat thing going here. Let me get the full one. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I'm not a very good golfer, I, I, I have to admit. I'm, I'm a terrible golfer. Um, one of the reasons I'm not, well, I think one of the reasons I'm not a good golfer is because I don't golf much. I, maybe if I golfed a lot, I would still be a bad golfer. But I like to tell myself I'm not a good golfer because I don't golf much. One of my very first golfing experiences was at a golf was at a pastor's golf tournament I was involved in, and and so we were we were it was at Deer Lake, and I don't know what hole it was, but we were coming around by the clubhouse by the restaurant, and and I I played a lot of baseball, so I played more baseball than I have golf. So I think that's really impacted my golf game. Because I really try to connect, you know, and, and hit hard. But, but I, had, I, had, I had swung back, and I'm afraid to even act like I'm golfing because those of you that golf will make fun of the way I'm, like, pretending to act like I'm golfing. But I, I swung for the ball, and I, sw- I swung so hard that my feet actually came up above my head, and I landed on my bohonkis. And in front, it probably wasn't hundreds of people, but it felt like hundreds and hundreds of people. So I've just been really hesitant to golf much since then, afraid that I once again would 
truly embarrassed myself. But I did learn a few things when I was golfing. One of the things I learned is that the short grass, the people that golf call it the fairway. I just call it short grass. But, but golfers call it the fairway. Am I right, golfers? Is that, is that right? It's a fairway? Okay. And then the, the tall grass, the weeds that need to be cut, right? Well, the, you know, the tall grass, they call it, what's that? The rough, right? Is that right? Golfers, is that, maybe you never, I happen to find my ball in there a lot. So I got really familiar with it. It was, I felt like I was cutting weeds with one of those old weed cutters, you know, that you swing. And, 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 and then there's the hazards that are a water hazard or sand, sand traps. And I know you, you want to avoid that. And as I was thinking about golf, as I was thinking about what I was talking about this morning, that that's really kind of like what discovering God will, God's will is for our life. You know, the week one, I talked about that we have a God's will in history, those things in history that God has done, that he is doing, that aren't going to change, that are the same, that are consistent. We have God's general will that he's, revol- that he's revealed through scripture. And, and those are like, like the edges of the fairway that, that if you, I, I did learn in golf that if you keep the ball in the short grass, it's a whole lot easier. Right? It's just golf's a whole lot easier if the ball's in the short grass. And it goes further. It makes sense. And, and that's how you, you won't be able to truly discover God's will for your life if you're, not, if you're not playing within the parameters. You're not living within the parameters that God has already established. Um, life's going to get hard if you're out in the weeds, right? It, just, it, it doesn't work well. Uh, one person put it this way. Um, the more I get to know the sovereign will of God, that's like the one edge of it, and the moral will of God, which has been revealed in the scripture, the better I'm able to discern the personal will of God, of what he is that God has for us. It's like the, you know, when you're driving down the road and there's the rumble strips that are on each side of the lane and, and you start getting off and those rumble strips, you, you hear them, don't you? And you're like, oh, whoa, well, pay attention. I got to get, got to get back on that, that there's, there's this the revealed will of God through his word and through what God's doing that, that are those edges. And, and you will not discover God's will for your life if, you are, if you're just going to live life however you want. Um, you know, if, you, if you're just like if you're driving down the road and you're just going to be off on the road and you're just going to, you don't pay any attention to the rumble strips, you're just going to do whatever it is it is you want to do, you will not be able to really truly discern God's will for your life. You will, your life will be a wreck, literally. And and so it, it perplexes me, it perplexes me when people um, want to talk about discovering God's will for their life, yet they're not following what God's already clearly demonstrated through Scripture, or what He's clearly made known. It's like there's this huge disconnect, and it doesn't make sense. It's like, it's like somebody that says they want to be on the road, but yet they're four-wheeling off the road, right? Or they're, they're golfing out in the, out in the, in the rough. It's just, it's, that's not how it's intended to be. And, and the one thing I love about the Lord is that, you know, if you, if you, if you think back on your life, you, you might, there might be periods of your life or there might be seasons of your life or even decisions in life that you've made that were, you know, you ignored those rumble strips. You ignored God's will. You, you went your own way. You did your own thing and, and you found yourself off the road or you found yourself in the rough. You weren't in the, in the fairway anymore and you, you were off. What I love about the Lord is we can always get back on. We can always get right back in those parameters. We can always um, get back on. And, 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 and if that's you, if that's a situation, don't, don't be focused on the past, right? You know, it's been said to you, you can't go forward looking, can't drive forward looking, spend all your time looking in the rearview mirror, right? Because, you know, just give those things to God. If you haven't asked for forgiveness, ask for forgiveness, but give them to Jesus, 
There's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You give those to the Lord, and then you say, Lord, I'm moving forward. I'm looking forward to what you have for me. I'm not going to let the enemy just trap me, keep me in this, this, these past decisions. I'm going to look forward. From here on, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know your will. I want to do your will. And so I'm going to give you guys seven, actually eight. There's seven in your notes. And I didn't, I didn't even leave any blanks for you guys today. Like I wanted you to get everything in case you missed something. I wanted you guys to have this because I think it's a good grid for you to use when you're discovering God's will. Now, I know that discovering God's will for our life is not as simple as going through seven questions and checking a box, right? Actually, I added eight, but the bulletins were already printed. So I do have eight for you. But and if I was preaching next week, it would have been like 10 or 12. I would have thought of some more. But, but there's... there's um. It's not so simple as just going through and checking a box. I know that. I know that. It's much more dynamic, much more complicated than that. But I do think these are really, really helpful. So I, I, I pray that, that they will help you this morning. So first question is, is, am I being transformed by God? So as you're discerning God's will, as you're processing God's will, that is the place to start, of honestly looking at your life and saying, God, am I being transformed by your will? Am I being changed by, your, by, by you, Lord? Am I being transformed by you? And I spent a whole week talking about this. Uh, Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So the question to ask yourself is, what is, what is my walk with the Lord like? What does it look like in my life? Am I progressing? I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about progressing. Am I progressing in my walk with the Lord? Am I being, am I being transformed? Am I being changed? Am I, am I putting myself in a position to be influenced by God, to be changed by Him, to be transformed? Is there a dynamic relationship with the Lord that's happening in my life? Because if not, it's going to be really, really hard to discern his voice. It's going to be really, really hard to know his will if we're not letting him work in our life, if we're not pursuing him, if we're not, if we're not walking with him, if that's not growing. One of the things I, Lord really impressed upon my heart several years ago was he just said this to me. He goes, Jay, you're not following a plan. You're following a person. That you're not following a plan, Jesus, you're, you're, Jay. You're following a person who is Jesus. And so if we just think of following um, the will of God as like following a plan for our life, it's really, it's following the person of Jesus. And unless our lives are being transformed by the person of Jesus, we're really not going to be able to... Um, follow him. We need to be close enough to him to hear his voice. We need to have a heart that is submitted to him in such a way that it's not our will, Lord, but it's your will that we want done. And so it's, I know this is so like foundational, but it's so important that we need this transformed life. We need an active work of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit in our life to be continually transforming us, changing us, this ongoing walk with the Lord in order to Follow, follow him because it, it just doesn't work well to live life however you want, make decisions however you want, just kind of put life in cruise control. You, you hit the rumble strip or there's a deer that runs out in, in front of you, so to speak, and in life, and then all of a sudden you got to know what to do. And, and, it's all, and, and your, your life is like chaos. But it's, if you're walking with the Lord, if, you're, if there's this ongoing relationship, then, then it's, it's different when those situations, because those situations still happen. But you're more ready for them. You're, you're in that place where you're, 
where you're walking with the Lord and, and that ongoing relationship. So the number one thing is that we're, we're, are you being transformed? Are you being transformed by God? Number two, what does the Bible say? Now, I know this is simple, right? But what does the Bible say? It's so important. Are we living our lives according to the Word of God? What does the Word of the Lord say? Uh, what, what is he, and I, I spent a week talking about this as well, but, but what, is, what does the Word of the Lord say about this? And it's not, friends, it's not so much that we just, you know, it's not, okay, Lord, what's your will for my life? All right. And you just pick a verse. That's not what I'm talking I'm talking about the Word of the Lord being a part of us. Like, you know, Jesus said, it's, it's, a man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father, that there is this, there's this spiritual reality that when we take in the Word of God, it's, even as you would consume bread, it becomes a part of your body. So as we consume and take in and partake of the Word of the Lord, that it just it organically becomes a part of who we are. And it, and it, is, and it gives us life, and it, it, be, it becomes, becomes part of us, and it just is, is lived out. David said this. He said that I, I hide the Word of God in my heart so that I won't sin against Him. King David knew that he really needed God's word to be able to make the decisions, to be able to do what he needed to do as king. David also said this. Luke, you want to hit the lights? He said, your, your word is, a, is a, a lamp to my feet, and it's a light to my path. That's, whoa, that's bright. You're not supposed to look at lights, are you? <laughs> that it's, that your word is a lamp and to my feet, and it's a light to my, fat, to my path, that the message translation says this, that because of your word, I can see the path. I can see where to go. And this world can be dark. We can find ourselves in places of darkness. We can find our pla- ourselves in places of chaos, of multiple paths, multiple choices. Which way do we go? What do we do? And his word lights up our way. His word lights up our path that we can see things we couldn't see otherwise. That he'll reveal to us where to go, where not to go. And again, it's not this cramming at the last moment. Although he does give us revelation out of his word at the moments we need it. But it's this ongoing. Right? His will is not like, it's not like you're, you're cramming for a test. Right? It's not like you're just trying to get in. Okay, God, i got to make a decision. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, Jesus, right? Like, we've all been there, haven't we? That's not the place to live. The place to live is this place of, of, of acknowledging the Lord in all of our ways and knowing that he will direct our paths, that he will order our steps. The Bible says that the steps of righteous men and women are ordered by the Lord, that there's this confidence that we have of knowing, Lord, you're ordering my steps. Lord, you're making a way. Lord, I'm trusting you. Lord, that when I don't understand everything that's happening, I know that you're good and I trust you and I walk forward in what you have. But, but we, we have to, if we can think we can be a people of the Lord, but yet not have his word in us, we're like fooling ourselves. Now, I know we all, we all know it, right? We all know that we, we need to be in the Word. We need to ha- have it a part of us. But are we? That's the real question is, are we? are we? Are we really living that out? So what does the Bible say? You know, what does the Word of the Lord say about your situation? Turn the lights back on, thanks. What, is the, what does the Word of the Lord say about the situation? It's, it's important. The third one I have put down, and I'm telling you, I was hesitant to do this because it just sounds cheesy. 
but it's what would Jesus do, okay? So I know that sounds cheap. I'll just acknowledge it, right? Because, you know, it was commercialized. There was a ton of money made off of what would Jesus do, and I'm not sure that Jesus would have done that. But I'm just saying. But what, but, so we've heard that. We've all heard the phrase, what would Jesus do, right? But there's truth to it. That's why it was so popular is, I mean, really, if we look at situations, what would, what would Jesus do? What does he want to, not just what would he do then, what does Jesus want to do right now? What is, the one, what is the Holy Spirit wanting to do in my life in this moment, in this situation? What would Jesus do, but what also what is Jesus wanting to do in this moment, in this situation? I know Jesus preferred others. You know what I mean? Jesus sought others, sought after others. Jesus put others first. You know, when we, um, we clothe ourselves with humility, as the Bible says, and we prefer others, God's grace is extended towards the humble. He resists the problem. His grace is extended towards the humble. That, you know, humility and, and, and honoring others is not, it's not putting yourself down, but it is lifting others up. And it's one of those dynamics of the kingdom that are like opposites. You would think it's putting yourself down or, you know, under, but it's, it's lifting others up. And as you lift others up, as you prefer others, then actually God's grace is extended to you. It's this counterculture. It's this not like this world things that make sense of the kingdom of God. Well, what would Jesus do? There's a passage that, that James gives us that, that, that gives us some insight into motivation and decisions that we make. He says, but if you, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart. So if you're making decisions and you're being influenced by bitterness, it's not, you're not going to make a good decision, okay? It's, it's not what Jesus would do. If there's selfish ambition, right? If decisions are coming out of selfish ambition, they're not going to be, you're not going to have good decisions, godly decisions. It says, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, because it's not really wisdom, such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly. It's unspiritual. It's actually demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But this is the kind of wisdom that we want. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. So is, is, is what you're motivated to do, if what you're deciding to do, what you're listening to, is it, is it pure? Is it peace-loving? Is it considerate? Is it submissive? Is it full of mercy and good fruit? Is it impartial? Is it sincere? And so, you, you know, one of the ways you navigate life is you navigate it with, as you discern God's will, it's the relationship with the Lord of hearing Him, but it's also how you treat others. We don't live, and I talked about this last week, we don't live out the will of God in isolation. We live out the will of God in community. We live out the will of God around others. And so how, how our decisions impact others should impact our decisions. And it should be, should be a, part, a part of the process. Fourth one, and, and I spent a week talking about this as well, so I won't belabor it, but have I sought godly counsel? Have I sought godly counsel? Have I, have I asked Godly people, people that I respect, people that I want to emulate, people I would want pour something of their life, of my life, to be like their life, that maybe they're an expert in something, but, or am I just doing the best that I can 
I can come up with. I'm telling you, I seek counsel. I do because I'm telling you, if, if every decision is just the best decision Jay can come up with, not very good. Not very good. I need help from others. I need others' perspectives because we all have blind spots, don't we? We all have things that we can't see. And so having others speak into our life, there, the Bible says that there's, there's safety in a multitude of counselors, that, that you need people that love you, that have your back, that will tell you the truth in love, that won't just tell you what you want to hear, will tell you what you need to hear, and will speak that truth to you. It's so important in discerning godly counsel. Another reason it's important is because God wants us in relationship. He wants us in community. God's put us in each other's life because he wants us to, to do life together. To, he's put that up. We're not called to live our life in, 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 in isolation. So I've sought godly counsel. Proverbs 11.4 says, for a lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make sure victory. That there's victory that comes. There's success that comes. There's effectiveness that comes as we seek godly counsel in our life. Number five, do I sense God's peace? Do I sense God's peace? Now that one's a little tricky because it's subjective. And we, if we're not careful, we can be, we can, we can fool ourselves, right? We can, it's like, it's like the guy that, you know, hey, pastor, I, uh, my girlfriend and I, we're going to move in together. And I prayed about it and I have peace about it. I feel good about it. I bet you do, buddy. I bet you do. Right? And I, you, you don't have peace about that. I mean, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there's a peace that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And if you're walking with the Lord, if your life's being transformed by the, by the Lord, you'll know when you have that peace, and you'll know when that peace is missing. And the Lord directs our past that way. Like, have you ever violated that lack of peace? Have you ever done that? Man, I have. Like, I've regretted it. Anybody else? You know, it's not like the flu, but it's kind of like the flu, right? You know, you just did that, that, ugh, that, oh, it's hard to describe. You just know when you're knower, right? That it's, oh, and, and, and you have to listen to that. God will, he'll give you that peace. He'll, he'll, if you, you'll, you'll have that sense, that knowing. It's so hard to, to put into words because it's a, you know, well, I think one of the hardest things to do as a pastor is to pay, take spiritual concept, concepts and put them into natural words. Like, that is so hard. And that's one of these things is, is this, under, this, this, this discerning, this understanding of this peace. This peace. A verse that I want to use to illustrate this is 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. He's not the author of confusion, but peace. So if, if, if there's confusion, if there's this angst, if there's this anxiety that's involved, then slow down. Just slow down. Don't force it. Like, and we don't have to show, we don't have to show our hands. Well, we could. It'd be 100% probably. But you know when you force a decision? You force a decision. You, you, you don't have that peace, but you just, okay, let's just, I, I trust God to work out the results, Right? And, and, and there's a legitimate time you say that, but, um, but you, it's not when you're violating that, that check in your heart, that, mm, that lack of peace, that peace that passes understanding. It's, it's like it blows your mind kind of peace. And, it's, and so it's important that we listen to that. It's important that, that we, we, you know, and I think one of the things that really keeps us from that, that peace of the Lord 
is, is the pace of life that we live. It's the kind of life that we live. That, because to really, to, to, to walk this out, to discern God's will, it's important that we can stop and be still in his presence. And, and you know it is really hard to be quiet and to be still and to be present with God when you are working against that peace, like when there's that lack of peace or when you're not submitting your will to his, when you're doing what you want, when you've knocked the ball into the, into the rough, when you're driving past the, 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 the rumble strips, right? When you're, it is really uncomfortable to, when you're living life in your own way, according to your own will, what you want to be still before God, right? Anybody? I mean, you, you want to stay busier. You don't want to stop. You don't want to just really, because it's in his presence that these things start to become really clear. And so it's really important as, as you're a person who discerns God's will that you stop. And that when you don't have peace, that you don't just keep going. That you stop and you be still before God long enough to where he can really speak to you. To where you can really know that you can get that peace or you can allow him to lead you and you can guide you. You know, we want everything now. We want everything instant. We want everything microwave. And we want, I mean, just the speed we have on our phones. Like, we can do more with our phones than we could do with our computers a few years ago. I mean, we just, everything's so instant, so now. And that's not the kingdom. That's not the way the kingdom of God works. And so, and so it's important. It's important that we, we get to this sense of the, of the Lord's peace. I, I, I want to share a, a verse. It's, I could have put it on this one, or I could have put it on number seven, am I waiting on the Lord? But I, I, I'll put it here. It's not in your notes. But it's 1 Kings, um, 1 Kings, it's, uh, yeah, 1 Kings 19, verse 13, 14. It's a story of the prophet Elijah. And so the prophet Elijah was, he had had this encounter with Queen Jezebel. Like God had done great things, and then there was this difficult she was trying to kill everybody. I mean, it was just life was crazy. Life was a mess. He needed to know next steps. He needed to know what God had for him. He needed to hear God. You ever been in a situation where you, I got to hear God, right? He was in that situation. I got to hear the Lord. And so he goes to a place where the Lord has made his will clearly known many times. Mount Horeb is a place that God often met with his people. And so he goes to this place to hear God. And as he goes to this place, um, the Lord sends a tornado. It says a strong wind, but this strong wind like blew up mountains, like it sheared rocks, right? I mean, this was a, this was a crazy like horror, hurricane, like tornado, like this was an incredible storm. And, and the Lord sent this storm, and then the passage says that, but, but God was not in the wind. He was not in that tornado. And, and he could have been because previously, he had revealed himself that way among strong wind. And we know even in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came, it was a strong wind in which he came. So we know through Scripture that God had revealed himself in the strong wind and spoken through strong wind, but he didn't that time. And then the, this, this passage talks about how God sent an earthquake. I mean, the ground was shaken. And we know that ground had shook when the Ten Commandments were given. Like, there's multiple times in Scripture where um, the, ground, the, the Lord shook the ground when he was doing something. So he could have been in that, but the Scripture says he wasn't in that. And then there was a great fire that the Lord sent. And he had, been in, he had worked himself through fire. I mean, he had revealed himself to Moses, the burning bush. In Acts 2, he's going to do it again when he sends the Spirit with tongues of fire. Um, so God used fire 
But it said he wasn't in, in the fire. And then it said that the Lord, the Lord was in a still, small voice. But that's the translation that's in most of our Bibles. But the Hebrew translation of that is that God was in the sound of sheer silence. And the reason there's discrepancy on that translation on that is, is the original translators that were putting it into English back with the King James Version, is how do you translate the sound of sheer silence? Like, what does sheer silence sound like? But that's what God was in. God was in that, that sound of, of sheer silence. And, and so often we're looking for God in the big, we're looking for God in the loud, we're looking for God in, you know, metaphorically speaking, in the fire and the tornado and the wind and the, and the earthquake, you know, the, show up in these big ways, but... But I'm, I tell you what, I'm kind of like Elijah in a lot of ways. I've, I think I've heard God the clearest in my life in the sound of sheer silence. Of just being quiet before God. Of just being still. And the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And there's something about that, that when we get that resolved, that his will, these decisions, these things we have to do, they just, he just makes a way. He does truly order the steps of righteous men and women. And so, but we live life at such a pace that we don't wait to get that peace. Or we violate that lack of peace because we just are addicted to, to fast pace, to moving, to decisions, to and of just trusting God, of just trusting Him for that peace. Number six, is it my will or is it God's will? Is this what I want to do, or is this what God wants to do? And this is, again, one of these big foundational aspects. You know, Jesus, he struggled with this. The, the garden, the night before his crucifixion, Lord, if there's any way possible, not my will, but your will be done. And we really have to arrive at that point of, Lord, it's not my will, but Lord, it's your will. Lord, what is it that you want? What is it that you have for me, Lord? What is it? That you want, Lord, not my will, but your will. Lord, I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, Lord. And I trust that you're going to take care of all the other details. That you're going to work everything else out. It's like the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth, Lord, as you've intended it as it is in heaven. Let it be so here. And for us to truly submit ourselves to the will of God, for us to truly give in to that, we have to understand, like even in this, the Lord's Prayer here, our Father who art in heaven, of, of who He is as our Father, that if we are not utterly convinced that God loves us and that He only wants to do us good all the days of our life, that he's truly motivated for our good, that he loves us, that he only wants to do us good. If we're not completely convinced of that, then when the, when the, when the rub comes, when the moments come, we will not trust him that his will is truly good, that he really wants to do us good, that, that we can trust him in this, because ultimately it comes down to this point of trust, because if we don't truly trust God, that he is good, that he is our father, that he loves us, that he only wants to do us good, then we will try to help him out, right? Like, well, Lord, you don't seem to be any doing anything. Let me, let me help you. I mean, we wouldn't say it, 
But we do it. We live that way. We, 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 we don't fully trust him, that, that he only wants to do us good, that what he has for us is truly good. Whether we understand it, whether we can see it, whether we can grasp it, whether we fully can comprehend it, but we have to be convinced that he loves us. Lord, oh Lord, my prayer this morning is that you would help us to be captivated by your love, Lord. We truly grasp how much you love us, Lord. Because when we understand that, we'll trust him. We'll trust. Okay, Lord, I trust you. I know you're going to do me good. I know you're only going to do me good. I know this will turn out good. I trust you in this. Number seven, am I waiting on the Lord? Am I waiting on the Lord? How many think it's easy to wait on the Lord, right? (laughs) None of us, nobody. (laughs) Nada. It's not easy to wait on the Lord. How many know His timing is different than our timing often, isn't it? But waiting on Him. Isaiah 40, says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The, it, it's interesting when you, um, you're doing Bible studies, you're doing word studies, because words often have literal meanings and symbolic meanings. You know, we... Um, we use that in, you know, in, our, in our own English language. You know, if you say like a, a place is, oh man, that place was dead. It doesn't mean like the people there are dead. You know, it means it's like doesn't have life. It's not full of energy. And so words in, 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 in Scripture can, you know, sometimes they have symbolic, sometimes they have literal meanings. And, and the Scripture just means one thing, but it's interesting how different words can, can mean different things. The verse here, this word here, but those that wait on the Lord, this, this idea of waiting here, the, um, the symbolic meaning of it is, is to, you know, waiting in expectation, of waiting in expectation on the Lord, not just a resolve or whatever, God, but in, waiting in expectation on the Word. But the literal Hebrew word, the literal word there for waiting means to bind together like a rope, to bind together like a rope. And, and it doesn't mean that you like, like bind something in a rope. It means the actual binding of the rope. That, you know, if, you, if, you, if I were to cut this rope and to pull it apart, it's made up of a, of a bunch of different strands that are, that are all tied together. And as, and as we look at that, that it's a, this is a picture of, of waiting on the Lord. Because just as, this, just as the, the strength of this rope is actually realized, when, when is it realized? It's realized when it's put into action. It's realized when there's pressure put on it. It's realized... When it get, when it gets taunt, it's realized when it's when it's activated, when it's mobilized, when it's when it's used, and that's when our lives are strengthened. Have you ever, have you ever noticed that that actually it's in the waiting, it's in the pro- we only we just want the answer, Jesus, but He's wanting to strengthen us. He's wanting to work on us and in us, and the hope we just want the answer, and He wants us. And as we as we live our lives, as we're waiting on Him. There's this pressure, so to speak. There's this, this, this pulling. There's this activating. There's this, and it's in this realization. It's in this waiting. It's in this, this supernatural process that strength, strength is actually taking place in our life, just like in this rope. That it's when it's put under this pressure that the strength of it actually becomes realized. It's when suffering goes on in our life. It's when difficulty. It's when waiting. It's when those things happen that the strength of God actually becomes realized in our life, this waiting on Him. So am I, are you waiting on the Lord? And that's a great question. Am I getting ahead of God? 
Or am I waiting on Him? Am I waiting on Him? And finally, I added this one. This one isn't in your notes. This is bonus. This is extra. This is, this is one I thought of actually really early this morning. Um, am I thankful? Am I being thankful? First, I think it's 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, To be thankful in all things is the will of God in our life. That we'd be thankful in all things. I tell you, it's a lot easier for me to discern God's will in my life when I'm thankful. Have you ever noticed that? That when I'm focused on me, when I'm thinking, well, what I deserve, what I should get, it's hard for me to hear the Lord. But as I'm a person, as I have a heart, an attitude of thankfulness, of gratitude, I'm telling you, that helps align your heart and your life to hear God. And then finally, I want what God wants, period. That we would all come to that place of, Lord, I want what you want. I want what you want, Lord. Not my will, but your, Lord, I'm, I want what it is you want, and I trust you, Lord. I trust you that it's good. I trust you that it's good. Would you guys bow your head and, and close your eyes this morning? Um, you know, often we don't, we don't do this. Um, I'm not celebrating that or apologizing for it, either one. I'm just saying, often we don't have people come to the front here. Um, it's... It's just not part of what we normally do in a lot of our services. But I sensed this morning that the Lord wanted me to give an opportunity for those here this morning that are really going through. You're in a situation where you're really trying to make a decision. You're, you're in a situation. Now, some of you, oh, this is a nice sermon. You'll fold up your notes. You'll put them in your Bible, and you won't pull them out again until, like, something happens. And then you'll pull this out. Oh, what did, what did pastors say about this? But some of you, you're in that moment right now. You're in a decision-making process. There's a decision in your life that you're trying to make, and you've been asking the Lord for direction on this. And and in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward. You don't have to come forward. I'm not saying that's the only way God's going to answer your prayer. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to put pressure on anybody. But I did sense that the Lord wanted me to give an opportunity for those that would want to come forward that would just say, Lord, I really need to hear from you. I'm willing to take this uncomfortable step just to declare how much, God, I'm really dependent on hearing you and, and just really hearing your voice. And so if you would, if that's you, if you would come forward and if you just create a, a, just a shoulder-to-shoulder line here, I just want to, just going to take a couple minutes and I want to I pray for you. So if there's anybody here, if that's you, would you just come up? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, just come up and just line up right, yeah, just, just right across here and just leave enough space for me to pray for you. I just want to pray for you this morning. Anybody else, you'd say, Lord, I really need the Lord to speak clearly in my life right now. Really, yeah, just come on up. Just come on up. All right. Church, would you stretch your hands towards these people? Would you, would you do this? Would you, we're just going to bless them. We're going to pray over them. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your word promises us, Lord, that if we will seek you with our whole heart, if we'll go after you, Lord, we will find you. Lord, that you don't hide yourself from us. And, Lord, I pray that you would make your will known. Lord, I pray you would make it clear. Lord, I pray you would make it beyond question. Lord, I pray, Lord, that, that, that my friends here, Lord, would know in their heart, Lord, what it is you're saying and what you want them to do. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would hear you so clearly. Lord, that there would be such confidence, Lord, that would come into their life. Lord, that they would say, I have heard from God. Lord, as the prophet of old said, they heard the voice behind them that said, this is the way. Walk ye in it, Lord, that they would hear clearly, 
Clearly, Lord, your, your voice. Lord, they're saying, Lord, I got to have you. I got to have your voice. Lord, I have to have your direction. Lord, I pray you'd honor their faith. Lord, I pray you'd honor their, their step of obedience, Lord. Lord, you would make their path straight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us, and we pray you have a blessed day.